Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. So we've been in a, in a series entitled, It's Me. Look at your neighbor and say, it's me. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's still me. And uh, this is going to be our third installment. And it really kind of comes from this idea of a dating relationship when things aren't going so well. Um, we've all have heard or maybe even used that line uh, where we would say something like this. Listen, you're great. Um, I think you're wonderful. But it's just not working out. But it's not you. It's me. But what we're really saying is, it's you. You're weird, you're crazy, and it's never going to work. And then also in some of our relationships, um, it may look, we may not be in a dating relationship, but it may look like this. Fine, it's all my fault. Just blame me. I'll take all the blame. It's all me. But what we're still really saying is, nope, it's all you. But maybe there's some truth to that little statement, it's me. Now, we know that every dysfunction in our relationships isn't a result of our fault. But how many of you guys know that us is a great place to start? Because whether we've inflicted conflict or we've been recipients of conflict, our hearts can get messed up. And James says, this is where all the fights and quarrelings come from, is that there's a war on the inside of you. There's stuff happening down on the inside. Uh, you want what you don't. You want something, but you don't get it, so you fight and you quarrel. And James says, listen, I know it's not all your fault, but a great place to start would be with what's happening on the inside of you. And so I want to speak to you from the subject today of communicating for a change. Communicating for a change. It's going to be a little bit more of a teaching than a preaching. Is that cool? Because sometimes we, we, we got I to, I want to equip you guys for Monday. And sometimes I want to preach myself hot, and I love to preach my guts out, but I also want to make sure that you're just not leaving inspired but equipped um, to, to, take play, to, to work on Monday. Is that good? All right, would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, would you speak to us this morning through your word? God, our hearts is to fall more in love with you, and our hearts is that we would serve one another in the same way that you served us, <laughs> even though we don't feel like that all the time. We know that that's where our relationships are going to thrive. So speak to us in a way that only you can. We don't want to go through the motions of church. God, we want to encounter you, Jesus, in a real way. In your precious name and holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, my, my girls and I, we, we and Jackie, uh, we like to go uh, kind of leaving, it, leaving Jackie out. Well, I was home for the last week. Um, Jackie was in Texas at a Freedom Conference, and I was daddy daycare from Sunday to Thursday holding it down. Got them haircuts. Got the house clean, carpet shampooed, daddy duty, all right. I yelled at my kids a few times, all that good stuff. Um, but we love to go to, to the Berkeley Farm. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but it's, it's a place where there's, there's several animals. It's beautiful. You can, you can take some celery and some, some lettuce and feed the animals. And, um, and there's one particular uh, animal that, that we love to feed, and it's a cow. And I want to I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, about communication today, and we can't really talk about communication without first talking about a cow tongue. But let me let me set the stage for you. Let me set the stage. I don't know if you knew this or not, but we communicate about one fifth of our life. One fifth of our life will be will be packaged together in words. 
Now, let me put that in perspective for us. That, that's about a 50-page book a day, the average person. Now, if you times that by a year, uh, that's going to take you to 132 books at 200 pages a pop. That is a lot, a lot of speaking. Now, some of you guys, you guys have a way bigger library than that, right? <laughs> Others of us may be a little bit smaller, but on average... On average, about one-fifth of our life will be taken up in communication. That's why I think God stresses so highly in his word the importance of it. In fact, in the scriptures, um, it is mentioned, our speech is mentioned 179 times. As if to say, God is saying, hey, pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth because it's really, really important. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says it this way, that the tongue has the power of life and death. That's a big deal. Now, if you grew up in church for any amount of time, you probably have heard this passage. And if this is your first time, then, man, this is a passage you really want to lean into because there's power in the tongue. Now, for those of us who have been attending church and have heard this passage over and over and over, I wonder to what degree it's penetrated our hearts. And a great gauge of that is to simply ask the people that are closest to you, and ask them this question, do I tend to speak more life or a little bit more death in our relationship? Now, now this, this is so big, and, and we're going to get back to this cow tongue, because what I didn't know, I did a study on a cow tongue like three and a half years ago. Don't, I was desperate for an illustration, right? But I discovered, I discovered that the cow tongue cor uh, corresponds with our tongue way more than you probably realize. Now, a cow tongue, it's pretty ugly. Let me show you a picture. It's not the cutest thing. Whenever we go to the Berkeley Farms and we feed the cows, once in a while that tongue will touch you and it's gross. It's powerful. It's no joke. But I don't know if you knew this or not, but the cow's tongue, it's, it's pretty coarse. It's, it's extremely strong. And when it eats, uh, because the cow has no upper front teeth, what the tongue does is it shreds all of the grass. Let me show you a picture of what that looks like. It shreds all the, all the grass, pushes it down to the molars so that the cow can ruminate, so the cow can chew. And I thought, man, isn't that so true that our tongue has the ability to tear people up and push them down in such a way where they're chewed out and lifeless. But not only can we make a mess with our tongue, but we also have the potential to, to clean some stuff up. Cow's tongue doesn't only produce death, but it also produces life. In fact, when a, a baby calf is born, the mother will lick all the birth, all the fluid off of the cow until it's completely dry. Just clean up that entire mess. Pretty amazing. We, we have the potential to create messes with our mouth, but we also have the potential to, to, uh, to promote health and vitality. What, what's really interesting about this is not only will the mom clean off the cow, but what the cow's tongue is doing, it's promoting circulation throughout, through, throughout the, the, the entire baby calf. So it's, it's producing health and it's producing life. We can make messes, we can clean messes, but the roughness and the coarseness of the cow's tongue is really interesting because it's not just used to, to slice and dice food, um, but it's also used to scratch one another's backs. Um, let me show you a picture of that. Here we go. These guys loving on each other, just scratching backs, getting each other's back. Um, come on, man. It's, it's, it's second service. You guys got to laugh a little bit. Let's go. Um, 
but I, I thought, isn't it, isn't it so true that we can either stab people in the back or we can scratch one another's backs? We can promote health and healing, but we can also promote hurt, hurt and, and pain all by this little thing called the tongue. Now, this is probably my favorite. This is my favorite. Is that with a cow tongue, you can make some incredible tacos. Incredible tacos. The only problem is I hate these things. Jackie's grandmother, man, she's probably one of the greatest cooks on the planet. But I'm telling you, whenever I, it's, it's the imagery of I'm eating a cow's tongue. And so I'm just like, mm-hmm, it's great. Trying to take a breath. Can't stand it. However, I think this really points to a, a really important fact is that we have the ability to, to feed and nourish our relationships. But we also have the ability to withhold and starve them. Not just by what we say, but sometimes by what we don't say. Now, anytime you're talking about communication and relationships, and I'm not just speaking about marriage, I'm speaking about any relationship in your life, friendship, relationship with parents, with your kids. Anytime we're talking about relationships, people want to jump right to, what do I do? How do I make it better? How do I fix it? <laughs> A lot of times people don't want to know what they need to do to change, but they want to get right to the how-tos. But Jesus said, no, that's not really the place to start. Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, what you say flows from what's in your heart. Jesus said that the best place to start is not with your tongue, but it's with your heart. And so that's why over the last couple of weeks, um, we've really been dealing with the heart. Our, our first installment to the series, we talked about developing a rhythm of repentance in our life. And repentance a lot of times gets a bad rap. Um, but all it really means is to change your mind, to really have a change of heart. And that as we, um, as we use the Lord as the filter of our relationships, as we process our needs and our expectations through his word to make sure that they're realistic and healthy, that's going to dramatically affect the way we, we perceive our relationships. That's going to dr dramatically affect what we expect from our relationships. And, and in the process of that, God begins to do something on the inside of us. Because we start to see areas where we're not healthy or where our expectations are wrong because maybe we're looking to people when we should be looking to God for certain things. And then Pastor Chris uh, killed it last week and, and really reminded us that um, after we develop this rhythm of repentance, that how we're going to really maximize our relationships is not through selfishness, but through service. But through serving one another. And as we take the posture to put others' needs before ourselves, now we're really in a place to start to deal with communication. When our hearts have been affected by God's word, by the Holy Spirit, where our hearts are, are in a position where they're going to direct our mouths in a particular way. Now, this is huge. This is so big. James says this is so big. The tongue is so powerful. He said when you're talking about a tongue, he said consider ships as well. Although they are so large and they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot's, let's say, heart is inclined. So in other words, where the heart flows, the mouth goes. And where your mouth goes and what's coming out of your mouth has the potential to affect the direction of your life. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. This is the bottom line today is that the words you speak are creating the relationships that you have. The words that you speak are creating the relationships and the environments that you are currently living in. Now, before we just jump right to, okay, what do we do? How, do? how do we solve this problem? I think we have to identify where some of us have been. Right? Before you can solve the problem, you have to identify it. 
And so I, I want to look at, at, a, at a couple areas of communication. Now, there's several, there's several layers of communication, and scholars and researchers have done this for a lot of years, and they're way smarter than I am. So I've, I've been able to glean from some of them. And I've condensed the, three, the, the several layers into three for the sake of time, but I think they'll, they'll still pack the punch and make the point. And the first one is this. The first layer is we, we experience shallow communication. Now, shallow communication uh, happens a lot of times on a Sunday morning. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Oh, good to see you. How's everything? Good. Good. Hey, see ya. And that's understandable. That, that's understandable. Even though we want you to go beyond the handshake, hang out for a while. Grab a cup of coffee. Grab some donuts. Relax. Relax. Um, but that's kind of some, some shallow communications. A lot of, a, a lot of times we, we, we live in this place. Um, for a big part of our day because we're, we're passing by people at school or, by, or at work. Social media has created an incredible platform for, for shallow communication that appears to be deep, but it's really not. Um, I love social media, so I'm not knocking that. We use it all the time. However, our relationships cannot survive in the shallow. If all of our relationships, relationships consist of shallow communication, we're going to be in some serious trouble because our heart and our soul and the way we're designed, we were meant for so much more than that. Now, now not, not just shallow communication, that, that's the, the first level. And there's a place for this. Don't get me wrong. There's a place for this. We just can't live here. But the second one is general information. General information. This is where the majority of our marriages live. This is the majority where the majority of our uh, parental relationships live. This is where the majority of our friendships live. The majority of all of our relationships abide in general information. You know, an, an average kid spends about five to seven minutes a day with their parents and for those five to seven minutes, almost uh, scholars have done the homework and the, the, the research that the majority of those five to seven minutes are simply general information. Hey, did you do your homework? Get your chores done. Time for bed. Brush your teeth. Time to eat. Right? And so, and so without even realizing, we're not trying to be jerks, but our lives are crazy. Our lives are busy. And, and a lot of times, have you ever done this before? Um, Man, I really need to talk to you about that, but I don't want to start that conversation now because I got to go. So you leave it. But then you never get back to it. And then you have these feelings that starts to, to kind of happen on the inside of you, especially if it wasn't a good thing. And how many of you know that negative feelings, their resurrection rate is close to Jesus. Like they always come back. They do. And so general information is important, but once again, we can't live here. We, we just can't. We just can't just communicate information. Guys, I'm going to let you in on a little tip. If you guys are married today, after your wife has finished speaking with you or telling you about her day or what's going on, I'm going to give you four words that can dramatically change your marriage today. That as soon as your wife is done speaking, just say these four words. And then what happens? So after she picks herself up off the floor because she's, blown away that you even asked or want to inquire more about what she's saying, um, man, you're going to score major points that day. Some of you guys are like, what, what, what are you talking about? Exactly. That's the problem. That's the problem. General information. But general information cannot sustain our relationships. It's important, but it cannot sustain our relationships because we're required for what we're going to call deep needs. Communication where we're communicating deep needs. This is where intimacy happens. This is where we're actually sitting down, looking at each other in the eye and having a conversation about life, about our heart, about, you know, just, just what, what we're feeling, what we're expecting. 
from one another, what, what's happening in our life, our hurts, our pains, our, our joys, like we're really rejoicing with somebody. Like have you ever uh, tried to talk to somebody, you're so excited, and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. oh, it's awesome, it's awesome, it's good, it's good. I remember one time, uh, uh, we, it was after church on a Sunday, or it was on a youth night, and one of my buddies, he was talking to me, and I was so exhausted. And I was just saying, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. He's like, yeah. And so he started saying crazy stuff. Like, I pulled my wife's hair, and I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. Praise God. That's so good, right? <laughs> He's like, you're not listening to me. It's frustrating. But we need to communicate in this level, at this level. This is the level that, listen, a lot of times, even with God, we live in general information. And God is saying, I want intimacy. But if we can't have intimacy with one another, it's going to be really difficult to have intimacy with God. Because it's kind of like, man, if you can't, if you can't love the one that God has put in front of you, man, how do you say you love, you love the Lord? And so, so we, we need to practice this, 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 this deep needs type of communication where it's, it's, just, it's just tough because it, it means you got to be intentional. Like you got to set time to communicate. If you don't, I promise you. You're going to hit some of these barriers that I'm going to talk about. Now, Dr. Martin and Dr. Stanley, two guys have done about 20 years of research on what are some of the barriers to communication. And when communication is unhealthy, it's probably because you're hitting one of these barriers. The first one is this, is we tend to withdraw. We tend to withdraw. A lot of times, again, it's not because we're jerks. It's because we're busy. We got so much stuff. I mean, we got to see what's happening on Instagram. It's important. Right? You notice how Instagram, they just, like, and Facebook, it just never stops? That's intentional because they don't want you to leave. But we're just so busy, and so a lot of times we're not doing this on purpose, but we just withdraw because we don't have the time or the space. Sometimes it's just because we're mad at each other, and we don't want to deal with each other. So what do we do? We don't communicate. Or there's areas of our relationships, you know, those areas that you can't touch? That you, you dance around them and you live in denial because you know if you begin to open up some of that stuff, it's going to go south. That's the stuff we got to really deal with. But, but it could be as simple as, you know, you just play the silent treatment. Anybody ever play that? I know Jackie and I have. You know, you walk past one another in the hallway in your house like you don't know each other. Like, uh-huh. Mm. I'm not budging. I, I heard a story uh, Husband and wife, they were battling out in the silent treatment. Nobody wanted to break, but he needed to catch a plane in the morning. So it was about 5 a.m. He needed to be up at 5 a.m. So he left a little note for his wife, said, hey, please wake me up at 5 a.m. He left it on the bathroom sink. Didn't want to talk to her. So he wakes up frantically, 9 a.m., panicked. Here's a little note on his nightstand that said, wake up, it's 5. <laughs> Withdrawal. Withdrawal. The second thing is Escalation. Escalation. Now, escalation, up, oh, go back, go back, one more, go down, click it again. There you go. Escalation. Now, this is where emotions are flying. This is where, you know, things have been taken to a whole nother level. I, I think what really happens in this particular incidence is defensiveness. Right? Hey, uh, have you seen my shoes? I didn't take them. I wasn't saying that you did take them. I just... And this can happen, again, in any type of relationship. It can happen with friendships. Anytime we get emotionally charged and we start going to the next level, it starts, you know, we just start losing our minds. In fact, studies have been done on guys that once their heartbeat in an argument gets over 100 beats per minute, they start to become irrational. 
And so then it's just like, what? Or they shut down. And that's a big part of relationships too because it's not just escalating in regards to expression, but also you can escalate by shutting down. And the person that shuts down the relationship really has control because what are you going to do? You can't do anything with that, right? Escalation. The, the next one is, these are barriers we're talking about to communication. The next one is contempt. Now, this is a dangerous one. This is where it, contempt makes you feel about this big. Um, uh, Dr. Leslie Perot would say something like this. He would say something like, uh, way to go, genius. Oh, you're awesome. You know what lives in the realm of contempt is sarcasm. We don't think it hurts. I'm just playing. I'm just being sarcastic. Mm, there might be a little contempt. And, and one of, the, one of the, the dangers about contempt is just you start to get critical about the person. You lose respect and honor. And so you just, start, you just start chopping them down. You make them feel this small and you stop caring. Can I just tell you, if you don't care in a relationship, you won't communicate. If you stop caring, you'll stop communicating because you don't care. And, and with contempt, one of the, the most deadliest things is the rolling of the eyes. That's contempt at its finest. Oh. Mm. Right? They, hey, when they had a man hooked up, when they had ma a man hooked up to, to all these monitors and his wife was rolling his eyes at her, on the outside it looked like he was completely fine. But inside he was dying. Like, like he was going crazy inside. It's contempt, it's dangerous. Now, this, the last one is, is demonic. The last one is assumption. This is, this is where because there's been a breakdown in communication, there's a lack of trust. And wherever there's a lack of trust, uh, the enemy loves to dwell in that place. Because he comes and he plants a lot of lies and things that aren't true. And so what you start to do is start to assume things that aren't really real, but you start to treat the other person as if they are. That's demonic. That's the enemy working at his finest, saying, I'm going to create so many lies in your relationship that aren't even true, but, that, but so that you treat one another as if they are and destroy one another. And it completely dismantles communication. So what do we do? How do we, now how do we, how do we navigate this? And I, th I think the answer is found in Genesis chapter 1, all the way back to the beginning. It says this, that now the earth was formless, it was empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, for some of us, again, we, we talked about this passage in regards to the Holy Spirit, but we're going in a different place today. Some of our relationships feel like this. We feel formless, we feel empty, and it feels dark. And we're wondering, man, can there really be a resurrection? I mean, we, we're existing together, and we work well in general information, but there's no intimacy, uh, both physically, emotionally, in a marriage. Um, even friendship-wise, you guys could go through the motions of, of just you hang out because you're kind of codependent on one another, but it's really not healthy. Um, because you just kind of do what you do. It could be in a relationship with, with parents and kids. It, it can flow from that place where, you know, there, there's, there's conversation is happening, but it still feels empty, formless, and dark. And so what ended up happening is, uh, look, look what the Lord said in regards to that. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So in other words, God spoke into the emptiness. He spoke into the formlessness. He spoke into the darkness and completely shifted the atmosphere. Now, you and I are created in the image of God, and God has said so clearly that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. In other words, when, when areas are, are, are formless, are dark, and are empty, we have the ability to begin to speak and create an atmosphere of health, of vitality, and of life. Now, when you look at the Earth's atmosphere, it's, it's kind of interesting. And uh, 
There's three major components that make up our earth atmosphere, and the first one is nitrogen. Now, nitrogen uh, many times is used uh, in antibiotics to help fight bacteria. And I thought, what a great, what a great picture that we're to create an atmosphere that fights some of the bacteria, uh, some of the junk and some of the garbage in our life that promotes health. The second thing in our earth's atmosphere is oxygen. Now, oxygen primarily is used for respiratory um, devices. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously we breathe. Uh, it helps us to breathe and helps us to function in that capacity. But it also helps uh, to move things forward like in a steam engine. It helps with combustion to, to, to push things down the line or to, to cause things to move. And I thought, man, what a great atmosphere that would be if we had an atmosphere of communication where we could actually go somewhere and get somewhere. Rather than just blaming one another or, you know, fighting about this or fighting about this or shutting down, that we could actually have some movement and, and be on this journey together. And the last one is argon. Now, argon is really interesting because it's what is used in electrical heaters to keep it from burning up. And I thought, man, what, what if we had a, a, an atmosphere of communication that, that when things, you know, started to get heavy and heated, that because we have an atmosphere, a healthy atmosphere of communication, we're not going to fry. And so, so not only do, do our words have the potential to affect and, and create and shift the atmosphere around us, they have the power to speak life and to speak death. It's not just kind of a one-moment deal. In fact, look what it says in, in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. He says, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, speaking of Jesus. And he upholds the universe by the power, by his powerful word. So it's not only God's word that, that, that spoke and created, but it's also God's word that sustains and continues to keep things in their proper order. So we not only need uh, uh, to, to create a healthy atmosphere of communication, but we need to create a sustainable atmosphere of communication in all of our relationships. So what does that look like practically? Well, man, there's so many atmospheres I could talk about, but there's three that I want to really drive home that I think is going to affect, um, it's going to affect our Monday. And the first one is this, we need to create an atmosphere of affirmation. An atmosphere of affirmation. Now, now, can I just tell you that um, it's not uncommon for me to pick up my girls and I whisper in their ear. I love whispering in their ear. And I'll just come and I'll say, hey, baby girls, I love you so much. Your daddy is so proud of you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are perfect in every way. You are beautiful inside and out. Put them down and I'll just leave. Right? <laughs> just creating an atmosphere. I want to begin to affirm who God says that they are. Because the world is going to try to mold and shape them. People are going to try to influence them. I want them to be so solid and secure as young women of God that they just know that I'm validated, that I'm loved, that I'm affirmed, that I don't need to go and find any of that outside of Christ and my daddy. We need to create a culture of affirmation because what it does, it builds up. Now, it builds people up. One of my primary love languages is words of affirmation. Like when Jackie looks at me, she says, you're my favorite preacher. I love you. You're so special to me. It's very rare. But when she does say that, <laughs> just kidding, boo. But it just makes me feel strong inside. It does something to me. You know, the wisest man that ever lived, Sol uh, Solomon, he writes in the Proverbs, he says that kind words are like honeycomb. They're, 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 they're good to strengthen the body and the soul. It just it, it feels good. I, I love what Paul says in Ephesians. He says it this way. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know this word any in the Greek? It means any. 
do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now just pause and, and absorb that for a moment. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up, listen to this, according to their needs. Like your mouth is designed to build others up, not so you can prove to be right, not so you can prove to be the one in charge, but so that you can meet other people's needs. Why? That it may benefit those who listen. You're communicating not so you can listen to yourself. You're communicating so that it's going to benefit the person that you're communicating to. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. What if they don't deserve affirmation? Like, what if their head's already super big? What if they're already irritating? And I, I don't, the last thing I want to do is encourage them. Well, let me tell you, don't tap your neighbor. Don't do that. Start with you. Don't be like, see, that's you. This is a relationship series. Listen to this. I, 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 love, I love what Tim Keller says. I would tell you, do it anyways. Don't speak to where they're at. Speak to their potential. Speak to, speak to who God says that they are. Begin to call out life, and then maybe you'll start to see some things shift when they start to realize that, man, maybe I'm not like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe you know, I'm, I'm not a jerk. Maybe I'm not X, Y, and Z. But, but if this is really who God says that, says that I am, it starts to shift some stuff in an atmosphere of affirmation. I, I love what Tim Keller said. He said it like this. This is really heady, so just, you know, we're going to read it, and then you can breathe, and we're going to move on. He says, your words come from the heart, but then your words go to the heart. So they come out, but then they come right back in. Your words, on the one hand, express the heart, but your words also redirect your heart. So they're expressing, but as we're speaking them, they're, they're redirecting. If you have an angry, bitter thought and you clothe it in a word, you give it so much more power over your heart. When you clothe the thought with a word, it strengthens the thought. In other words, this, if somebody doesn't deserve it, but you're saying, man, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You may not really be wanting to say that, but as you begin to clothe that negative thought with, with the truth of God's word, that redirects your heart and that's going to dramatically affect the way you treat that person. That's going to dramatically affect the way you see them and the way you pray for them, right? Because, because it, it kind of redirects this. That's why the Bible says when people curse you and you feel like cursing them back, come on, you ever felt like that? Am I the only one that's like, man, I want to give you some right now, right? He, what, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, no, bless them. Why? Because even though you're cursing them, even though they're cursing you, as you're blessing them, it's redirecting your heart. It's shifting some things in the atmosphere of affirmation. Now, my, my daughter Abby... Um, there was one time, it was, it was so devastating. We came, we left church. We had two separate cars. We're going to change in the house, and then we're off. We're going to go, you know, Sunday we work hard, then we play hard as a family. And so, so the girls were in my car. Olivia was supposed to get Abby out, but she forgot. So we got home. We got out of the car. It's been about five minutes. We're, we're changing, getting ready. I'm like, man, where's Abby? She was in the car still in her car seat, couldn't get out. Crying. How many of you guys know I felt like a horrible dad? Horrible. I had, to go, I had to have Jackie walk me through a freedom session. I was like, oh, man, I'm messing this up, right? And, uh, and I remember Abby, the, fir the first thing she said, I said, baby, are you okay? She, and this is what she said. I thought God would never get me out of here. So she correlated that rejection at three years old with God. You see how tactful the enemy is? 
And so what did we do? We sat there and we affirmed the mess out of her. We love you, baby girl. We repented. I said, Daddy, so sorry. I thought Oli was getting you out. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. And we just began to affirm and affirm and affirm. And the atmosphere of her heart began to shift. Because, listen, affirmation isn't just an atmosphere of encouragement. If you're taking notes, you're going to definitely want to jot this down. Affirmation is an atmosphere of warfare. Against the enemy's lies and tactics, you begin to affirm with truth. And the atmosphere begins to change. So this is what I would tell you, just a little takeaway. Anytime you're thinking about affirmation in your relationships, do me a favor. Do this. Affirm till you're uncomfortable and then double it. Affirm till you're uncomfortable, then double it. Craig O'Shell said to do that with celebration. I, th- I thought, man, it, it would work well with, it, with affirmation. Think about affirming to the point where you're uncomfortable and then double it with that person. I'm telling you, it'll change the atmosphere. Don't rob your relationships with affirmation unspoken. Don't leave your relationships in a vulnerable place to the enemy because there's a lack of affirmation. Second thing is this. We need to create a culture, an atmosphere of honor and honesty, of honor and honesty. I I, I love what it says, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. He says it like this. He says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. So even though you have an atmosphere of of affirmation, there's still a lot of times truth that needs to be said. You know, mercy without truth is like a cheerleader without a team. Truth without mercy is like surgery without anesthesia. Like, you got to have both. You got to have both. And so he says, we're going to speak the truth in love. Why? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his body, the church. And, And so, in other words... What Paul is speaking to here, he's speaking about maturity. He's saying, you want to know a great gauge for maturity in your communication and in your relationships? If you have the ability to control yourself and speak the truth from an honorable and a loving place. That's a great test to know if you're growing and maturing in Christ. Because when we're not mature, we do things like this. Let me show you a couple things that kids wrote. (laughs) You got to love kids. I hope you get a lot of presents and happy Merry Christmas. By the way, you're fat. Right? And let me draw a little circle to point out where the problem is. Just random. <laughs> Look at the next one. I was cracking myself up with these things. Dear Uncle Brian, I hope you have a great birthday. I love you, Uncle Brian. How are you? Have you heard of Satan? He makes you do bad things. <laughs> this is probably a better way to communicate that, but they don't know. There's no maturity. All right, what, what about this one? This, is, this one's my favorite. Dear Brady, Miss P uh, made me write you this note. All I want to say sorry for is for not being sorry because I tried to feel sorry, but I don't, Liam. <laughs> right? What in the world? And as much as we laugh, many of us in our relationships communicate like emotional and spiritual infants. Saying things that may be true. But they're without love and honor. They may be true, but in all the wrong ways. How you communicate is just, in, just as important as what you communicate. It's just, it's just the truth. It, it, it's, it's so true. And so let me, let me talk to you about honor a little bit. Um, because I, I think this is huge. Um, you know, in a relationship, especially in a marriage, you should be able to be fully known and fully accepted. Like nothing should be off the table. 
if you can't talk about certain things in your relationships, and I'm just going to say relationships across the board, if you can't deal with certain things like parents and children, if you can't deal with certain stuff because it's too hot or sensitive, you'll lack oxygen. You, you'll lack the ability to breathe and to move and to grow in your relationships. You have to deal with the tough stuff. But, but honor, is, it, it's, 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 it's a huge part of it. Loving and honoring is such a huge part. In fact, Jesus, when um, Jesus said it, it very clear, it's not going to be on the board for you, but I'm just going to quote it to you. Jesus said that a prophet, is not, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. You know, in Jesus' hometown, they dealt with him with contempt. Like, dude, we grew up with you, bro. Like, and now you're saying you're God? And so what did they do? They, they brought him down. They belittled him to something that he really wasn't. And as a result of that, it, it affected the atmosphere. It says that the atmosphere it created an, a lack of honor, created an atmosphere of unbelief. And that atmosphere of unbelief created an atmosphere for a lack of power. And he could only do a couple of miracles. Now, can I just tell you, you may say, well, I honor God. I honor Jesus. But can I tell you, when you don't honor your spouse, you are not honoring God. That when you are not honoring your parents, you are not honoring God. Now, this is a sensitive topic because I know some of you guys are thinking, you don't know them. They're crazy. They don't deserve any honor. Do you know how much pain they cause me? you know how much hurt that, that I've had to deal with? I get it. I, I totally get it. Totally get it. I'm not saying that honor replaces boundaries. Like, just because there's honor doesn't mean that you don't have certain boundaries set up. However, what I will tell you is this. What I will tell you is even though they may not be honorable, you need to honor the Lord in the position that he's placed them in. You may not be able to honor them, but you can honor the position which intrinsically is going to honor God and it's really going to honor them even though they don't deserve it. Perfect example is this. King David was being pursued by King Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. Saul found himself in a cave relieving himself, going to the bathroom. And it just happened to be the cave that David and his men were hiding in. David was like, I could, everybody was like, take him out, David, take him out. David's like, oh, man, like, I love Jesus. I got that God filter, you know what I mean? I just can't, I can't do it. So he, he cut his robe, and even though he just cut his robe just a little bit, David felt so convicted. But he came out to Saul, and this is what he said to Saul. He came out and he said, he came out and said, my Lord, my king, and he bowed down to the guy that wanted to kill him. And then David proceeded to tell the truth. You know, I could have killed you. It's not true. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to do anything. It's all a lie. Saul, you're living in the realm of assumption. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. So David, he honored, but he also was honest. And can I just tell you, David in that moment, he, did not, he may, may not have honored a man that was deserving of it, but he honored the position for he said, Lord, you have appointed him, and I am not going to touch what you have appointed. And guess what happened? Saul was demoted and David was elevated because God honors honor. It creates an atmosphere for power. It creates an atmosphere for God to move. Honor paves the way to honesty. Because we got to be honest in our relationships. We have to talk about some things that we don't want to talk about. We just do. And that, that's, that's hard to do. Like Jackie and I, listen, you may think like, man, we, we kind of are living on this cloud. But man, there's stuff that's hard to deal with. It's hard to talk about, so we've had to, to create a, an atmosphere of honor and an atmosphere of honesty. And, and one of the values that we hold to, and if you're taking notes, you're going to want to jot this down. Don't worry about who's coming through the door. Jot this down. Ready? Uh, great relationships never punish each other for being honest. That's just, that's just a staple in our home. 
You know how, how much it hurt me when Jackie came to me one time and said, hey, babe, um, I, I really feel like you disciple people really well. You just don't disciple me that well. How many of you guys know? I, I didn't want to lean into this value at that point. I was like, no. Uh, but we have, that, we have that safe place. Nothing's off the table. Why? Because we want a relationship that breathes. We want a relationship that moves forward. Are you tracking with that? And so, so, so let, me, let, me, let me kind of wrap this up. Soothing. Proverbs, Solomon continues to say that when you have these, these honest conversations, that a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And so just a soothing tongue, it, it produces, it's a tree of life. It's like, listen, I, I got to be honest with you, and, um, but I'm going to do it with God's very best in mind for you. I'm not going to try to crush you or prove a point, or I, I'm, I really want to come with, with some great, with, with great good motives. A lot of times you don't know that, but that's between you and God. The other person may not know your motives, but you know your motives with God. It's important that you're operating from a healthy spot there. And so, so it, it, a soothing tongue, it's a tree of life. We want our, our relationships to live. We don't want to crush them. But so many of us, we, we do this on a regular basis. And our relationships are dying. And we need to switch up our method and, and, and means of communication. Let me give you something practical that's going to work today. Is that when you're trying to be honest, there's a way to be honest. All right, and it's what Dr. Leslie Pro calls the XYZ system. It's, it's very simple. Let's look what he says. He says, basically, in a situation X, when you Y, I feel Z. So if somebody, for example, uh, turns the radio station, this is his example. He said, if somebody turns the radio station and maybe you're listening to it, rather than saying, who made you the king of the radio? <laughs> right? You simply say, hey, babe, uh, or friend or mom or dad, hey, listen, when you change the radio, listen, in, in that situation, why, when you changed the radio that I was listening to, when you did that, this is how it made me feel. It made me feel like I wasn't valuable. And it, and it may sound kind of corny and like, are we really going to walk through this process? Are we really going to do this? I promise you, I promise you, it's very simple, but it can change a whole lot because a gentle word turns away wrath. And how you say it is just as important as what you have to say can change the game. Last one is this. We need to create an atmosphere of reliability. An atmosphere of reliability. In other words, we need a plan, ladies and gentlemen, for our communication. Uh, Jimmy Evans says it like this. There's, there's three aspects of communication. Proactive, where you're going to get a plan on the front end. Reactive, well, because you don't have a plan on the front end, you start reacting. And a lot of times that doesn't go well. And then uh, that normally leads to places of radioactive. And again, these are the places that you just can't touch without getting destroyed. We don't go there, so we live in a realm of denial because we don't have a reliable process or healthy atmospheres of communication, right? Godly atmospheres that are promoting health, that are helping us breathe and move forward, but also we don't get fried when things start to get hot. Are you tracking with me on that? And so, so look what, look what uh, Solomon says, Proverbs chapter 13, almost done here. He says, the, uh, an unreliable messenger causes a lot of trouble. But reliable communication permits progress. Reliable. And the worship team, if you guys could come up, that would be awesome. Reliable communication, it allows things to move forward, meaning it's frequent. It's, it's predicted. We have a plan. We have a plan of how we're going to communicate. Now I'm telling you, if your heart is messed up on the inside, 
which there's a lot of areas of all of our heart that is, if we don't deal with those, it's going to be so hard to create these atmospheres. Because you're not going to want to do that because out of the heart, as the heart flows, the mouth goes. And so, so but, but, but here's the deal. Let me give you some, another practical thing. Dr. Leslie Perot, Jackie and I put this into practice. Dr. Leslie Perot, this, these, these are, are, are his deals. He's helped us so much in all of our marriage coaching and counseling. Awesome, awesome guy. And him and his wife, they're, they're a team. And, and this was a simple formula that he likes to call the withholds, but I renamed it because withholds, it just sounds negative. And I called it the unspoken moments. Unspoken moments. Can you go to that slide for me, Steph? Thank you. And unspoken moments are things that happen every single day. Like, like for instance, um, you know, those things that happen, but we, we never communicate them out loud because we get distracted or we don't have time. For example, you know, maybe, uh, maybe for you married couples, you know, husbands, maybe your love language is food. I don't know. Acts of service. Maybe you woke up one day and, man, there was, you had a big breakfast and you're on, on your way out the door to work. And, and uh, knowing that, you know, maybe your wife works too. And so it was a sacrifice. And, and, and you ate real quick and it was cool, but, but you forgot to say thank you. Well, that's an unspoken moment. And a lot of times we mean well. We'll say, man, I'll tell her later. I'll talk to her later. But then we don't. And then for her, it might have been a moment, it might have been an unspoken moment in a negative way where, man, I just got up and made you breakfast. You can't even say thank you. But because, you know, mom's busy, she's trying to, you know, get herself ready and get out the door and all that, that goes unspoken. It's an unspoken moment. And so this process, if, 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 you, if you work it, it, it will allow you and hold you accountable to creating these type of atmospheres, an atmosphere of affirmation, an atmosphere of honesty and honor in a reliable way to communicate on a regular basis. Now, it's, it, it's pretty simple, but it's intentional. Like you gotta sit down, like once a day. If you're married, if, if, if it's a friendship, man, sit down next time you guys get together. Plan this out. It may, may feel kind of weird and awkward at first, but what you're gonna do is you wanna speak one positive unspoken. You're gonna write these things down. One positive unspoken. And then you're going to write a negative unspoken, and then you're going to write another positive unspoken. Now you say, I don't need to do that every day. That's ridiculous. I don't even have any of these unspokens. I promise you, as you sit down and you put that pen to the paper, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal some unspokens. And then this is the coolest part, is it's fair game. The only, after you share your positive, your negative, and your positive, the only thing that you can do is say thank you. And then you allow 30 minutes before you deal with any of the issues that are negative. And so Jackie and I have been practicing this. And, and it's kind of cool because we had a, you know, a, a moment where, you know, I, I, her love language is acts of service. And so I try to, you know, straighten up or I'll try to do something that I know is just going to fill her tank. And if it goes unnoticed, it's a perfect opportunity. It's like, man, I did notice that. I just didn't, you know, we were busy. Or, and it's all of a sudden intimacy starts to happen. We start to communicate. We start to express to one another. And, and the cool part about this is this, is a lot of the negative moments after 30 minutes and after you've communicated them with honesty and respect and honesty, uh, uh, honor and honesty, you don't even need to deal with them anymore. They're done. It's like, oh, all right, I'm good. And there's some stuff you got to come back and you actually got to work through and process through. But because you have a culture where you never punish each other for being honest, you have a platform for that atmosphere. Is that, are you tracking with me on that? I'm trying to help you. Because this is one of the number one reasons why people get divorced. This is one of the reasons why families are divided. 
It's just because we're immature and we're broken on the inside. Rather than dealing with it, we just let all that stuff stay. And then it ends up hurting, it ends up dividing, and Satan gets in there, you start assuming, and it just gets so messy. God says, you have the power of life and death in your tongue. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Are you going to be a proponent of life, or are you going to speak death because you desperately need to be right? Because you're desperately insecure and won't deal with your stuff. Life is far too short, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but there's two things that I know are going to be there, the Lord and people. And that's where we need to invest our life. Nothing is worth all the drama, all the chaos, all the craziness. But we have to create an atmosphere of communication that's healthy.